Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. Camel, Camel, Camel showed that our book was like over 50% off on Amazon. And so I just blasted that out <laughs> to everybody. I don't, said, I don't, hey. what, what is Camel, Camel, Camel? I don't know what that is. Oh, you don't know. Camel, Camel, Camel is a camel, camel, camel.com is a site where you can track prices on Amazon. Um, and so let's say you want to know. So you're listening to Michelle Tam, an author of two of my favorite books. And they're not entrepreneurial books. They're actually cookbooks. And these books changed my life. I am uh, a cook in the household here, and um, I gotten to know Michelle. I didn't even realize that she was a fan of SPI um, because I was a fan of her. And to have her on the show today is a, is a huge honor and privilege. And I'm excited because she talks a lot about little strategies like this that she's used to launch her products and her books uh, and her merchandise. And so we're going to get deep into the details here. Nom, nom, Paleo is her website, best-selling author. Her brand is now in places like Whole Foods. We talk all about how it all happened and how she's able to balance family life as well. And that's another reason why I'm just so in tune with what Michelle is talking about and what she stands for. She involves her family in her business in such a unique way, which is really exciting to me too, because as you know, I love to get my family involved in my business uh, in ways that are uh, unique and smart. So before we get to Michelle, cue the music. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, other than English, the only other language he's 100% fluent in is numerics, Pat Flynn. All right, welcome everybody to session 313 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Pat Flynn. Here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And today, like I said, we have Michelle Tam, the founder of Nom Nom Paleo, two best-selling books, an amazing brand, uh, and and just an amazing family person too. But before we get to Michelle and her interview and how this all happened, and tips for those of you who are just starting out as well, I do want to mention because we've getting we're getting a lot of a lot of requests, guys. Like a lot of you are having fun listening to the podcast and subscribing to the show, and thank you all so much for that. Guess what? You could have your own listeners and subscribers too. Without whatever message you have, whether 
you already have a business and you want to expand that, or maybe you just want to start a business and use the podcast to build an audience and survey that audience to create some sort of business out of that. Either way, a podcast is an amazingly powerful tool, obviously, because here we are chatting with each other right now. If you want to start a podcast of your own, I put together a free three-day course to walk you through the process step-by-step, taking all the crazy technical stuff and distilling it into only what you need and nothing overwhelming. And to get started, all you have to do is go to howtostartapodcast.com to check that out. Again, howtostartapodcast.com. Sweet. Thanks so much. And let's get to today's interview with Michelle Tam from nomnompaleo.com. Now I'm hungry. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the SPA podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. I was just telling people right before this that your book has had a significant uh, influence on myself and my family, um, and then to reach out to you and have you agree to come on the show, it's just, it's just great, and I didn't even realize um, that you had actually n- known me for a while and had followed my stuff, so I'm just so curious about how this all happened, but uh, again, just thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, no, I'm a huge fan. Like, today, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be on Pat Flynn show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's so crazy. Like, I'm, I'm at the uh, Barnes, or not Barnes, well, Barnes & Noble, too, but also I was at the uh, Amazon bookstore here uh, in San Diego, and just, I see this yellow book there, and it's it's your Ready or Not book from, from Nom Nom Paleo, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I read that book, and, and I know her, and I'm going to interview her. This is, this is so amazing. And, and to see all your stuff kind of going big now, I'm, I'm just so fascinated by it. So can you really quick just tell everybody what is it, what is it that you do, Michelle? And then we'll get into the origin story after. So, um, you know, it's not just me. I always preface it by saying that Nom Nom Paleo is like a joint effort between my husband and I. Um, But I, and so Nom Nom Paleo is a blog. We created an app um, and then we have two cookbooks, but mostly it's, it's the blog because I think that's kind of the main thing that I'm always concentrating on. And then all the social media that kind of goes with it. So I kind of do all the front facing stuff. And I create all the recipes. And then my husband, who has um, like a day job, (laughs) he does all of the design and all the photos and all the layouts. So all of the stuff people love about the books is normally something that Henry does. Um, But he's kind of the wizard behind the scenes. Nice. Um, I know Henry's not here, but uh, Henry, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for being a part of this. And and what I love, uh, Michelle, and you just right up front just mentioned how it's not about you. Um, it's very apparent in your books as well that you love to include your family in, in what it is that you do. I mean, I got to know your kids through the cookbook, which isn't a normal thing to see in a cookbook. Um, so I just love how you've kind of included your family along the way as you've become successful here. What what kind of, you know, how, how is that just, a, is that just naturally like who you are or, or like, um, I don't know, I haven't seen that before in a cookbook. No, it is really weird because, when I first started Nom Nom Paleo, it was my own, it was like a Tumblr blog and I didn't expect anyone was reading it ever. Um, and so I would swear in it and it was just kind of my secret place. I thought, I mean, of course it's on the world wide web. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of sharing stuff that I would want to see in a paleo food blog. Cause I, you know, there weren't too many back in 2010. Um, but I would always mention my kids just because, you know, my family is a big part of my life, just like I know yours are a big part of your mm-hmm. life and, you know, your business and why you do what you do. Um, but what's funny is my kids weren't paleo initially. 
I mean, even now, like they're not like a hundred percent paleo. They're mostly paleo because whatever I cook at home, they have to eat. (laughs) Um, but everyone kept on asking like, what do you feed your kids? What do you feed your kids? And I would be like, this is not about my kids. This is how I feed myself. (laughs) But then it actually made me think, I was like, no, I really do need to feed my kids right because it's not cool that I'm not willing to eat their leftovers. Like their leftovers are not healthy enough for me to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I actually like thank my readers for kind of nudging me to kind of come to terms with that um, and address it. And, you know, they are in a, like they're definitely in the books, um, but we did that purposely because we really like people are like oh you know you should come up with a kids cookbook and I'm like well our books are kind of secret kids cookbooks because they're not like for kids but clearly it's designed like in a comic book format um, where there's like a picture for every single step and our kids are sprinkled throughout it and there are like funny jokes and cartoons um, just because we really wanted to kind of secretly get kids interested in cooking and interested in, you know, ingredients and, you know, that healthy foods can be delicious and exciting. Um, but it was all kind of a stealth way of doing it. That's cool. I really like that. So you said the blog started in 2010, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And I was still working. Um, I, I used to joke that I was a zombie drug dealer um, because I worked the night shift um, at Stanford Hospital for 12 years. Um, and for four of them, I was doing Nom Nom Paleo. And I think that's when I found you. Um, when I first kind of started blogging and then when I started getting more traffic, I was like, maybe I could make this like my my thing. Like I, I could quit my job. <laughs> And so I would listen to your podcast and I'd listen to all the people you'd interview. And I was like, wow, maybe there's a way this could work. Um, But it did take me four years. And it was even after our first book was published um, that I was still working until finally it just got to be so much work. Um, And I felt like I think we have enough income and Henry still hasn't quit his job. So I was like, you know, I think we have enough of, of a buffer mm-hmm. that I could quit and, and do this full time. Was that a hard decision for you or was that easy at that point? Um, it was, I mean, it was hard just cause you know, I was raised by like, you know, I'm a child of immigrants and I was like, I don't know, like, this is such a stable thing working this, you know, hospital job mm-hmm. and I have insurance and all this stuff. But I don't know. I think it just got to be where like, I don't like my job (laughs) and I love what I'm doing here and I can spend a lot of time with my kids and I'm in charge of my own schedule. Um, And so, yeah, I did it. (laughs) I love it. I'm glad you did it. And when you started out and you were just blogging uh, and and you said still say you're primarily a blogger, but Mm -hmm. when you were starting out, how were you able to get found? I mean, what I mean, I know you said it took four years and I'm thankful that you said that because a lot of people expect things to happen overnight, but how did things start to pick up for you? You know, I, I think a lot of it is timing. I mean, obviously there's a lot of hard work involved. Like Henry and I were working like a lot Mm -hmm. on Nom Nom Paleo and we weren't really expecting to make any money or anything. I mean, I think it, I think it's kind of one of those things where 
anybody who kind of finds something that they feel is kind of the key to helping other people and you feel like you've been living in the matrix this whole time, <laughs> but you want to get the word out. Um, right. I mean, I think that's why we were doing what we were doing with Nom Nom Paleo, but it also coincided with, um, you know, the kind of the paleo movement becoming popular. And so I think, you know, we discovered in 2010 and I think paleo kind of peaked in 2012 in terms of people searching for it and being curious about it. And I think, you know, being one of the first paleo bloggers um, and being really um, focused on food, like I think it just all kind of happen together. And then, you know, I would go to paleo conferences and I'd meet other paleo bloggers um, and I'd meet other people. And so I think all of those things um, contributed to, to people discovering us. I mean, I think now, like people are like, oh, how would you advise someone now to do it? I'm like, you know, it's a lot harder. I mean, obviously, if you're talented and you work really hard, you know, you will find success. But I mean, I'm not going to discount the fact that, um, you know, timing had a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I didn't even realize there were paleo conferences. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What was it like at your first one to go as a kind of fairly new blogger in this space? Tell me about that experience. Well, it was weird. I mean, it was also when I was working nights at the same time. So like I'd work seven nights on and then I'd have seven days off to kind of do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would go to these conferences. But of course, I'm kind of still kind of jet lagged and everything. But it was it was amazing to meet people in real life because like you can talk to them in comments. And But I think until you meet people, it's not real. I mean, I even feel that way with social media now. Like I look at some of the numbers and followers and it doesn't seem real until I actually meet someone in real life. Um, and so it was really cool just, you know, meeting other paleo bloggers that we'd been communicating with online um, and then meeting just regular people that were cooking our meals and getting healthier. I mean, it was just, it was surreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it still is really surreal um, because I am, I call myself like a high functioning introvert. Like when I have to do an event, I'm, I'm good at it and I can, you know, socialize and be on, mm-hmm. but I do prefer to like introvert really hard and like hang out with my family and my close friends to like recharge. You sound just like me. Like <laughs> when I go to these events, I I'm on it and I perform, but then after yeah. I speak, I go back in the hotel room. I'm like, phones on silent. I just want to like sit by myself and do nothing. Yep. <laughs> Totally, totally, totally. And my happiest place is just hanging out with my little family and watching movies and playing games. And, you know, it's just very. And I, I think I didn't realize this is how I was until Nom Nom Paleo happened, just because I was never put in these types of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good. Like, all of, like, there's lots of really great learning opportunities, I think, because of non-non paleo. Like I'm totally like I've totally discovered what my personality type is. Yep. <laughs> um and what works for me and what doesn't work for me and just challenging myself and taking risks, which was not something that I was comfortable doing before. Um but because of that, like I totally encourage my kids now. I'm like, no, you can't be afraid to try things. Um and you can't be afraid to ask because, you know, 
the worst thing that will happen is really not as bad as you think it'll be. Um, and that'll empower you to kind of keep going. Absolutely. What is, um, tell me about a, a risk that you took with Nom Nom Paleo that was kind of tough to, to make that decision, but you did it anyway. Uh, well, I think quitting my job was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I really did have to kind of focus about like make trying to kind of make money. But I mean, I think that I kind of cheated because Henry still has his day job. Um, but I think because I quit and I didn't have, you know, my own kind of safety net and the constant, you know, regular income, like I, we did really throw ourselves into making nom nom paleo exactly what we wanted to be like in terms of like quality um and in terms of how we wanted our books created Mm -hmm. like we were really focused on this is how we want it um and you know and i think the risk of um you know we were offered other book deals um you know when before our first book but henry was like no i want you know, we want to design it exactly how we want to design it. And we want total control. And that was like a big risk, but we did it and we were really happy with it. I think we're happy with people having a really visceral reaction to our, um, like our products, like they either love it or they hate it. And it's okay that they hate it. Like we just don't want people to say, uh, it's just like another, health book or another diet book like we want people to get really excited about it or if they don't like it that's fine um this is not your cookbook then and that's cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. so the first book was published in 2013 Mm -hmm. did publishers approach you or did you approach publishers and tell me the story about how that book got published so that um that book actually came after we um made our nom nom paleo app and so um a lot of our friends i think in like 2008 or so were no no like let me sorry my timeline is all messed up so i think around 2011 or 12 is when the first um paleo cookbooks were coming out and a lot of our friends were getting cookbook deals but i think at the same time there was a new york times article that came out about how cooking apps were like the new cookbook of the future. And I think we had just gotten an iPad and we're like, wow, this thing is amazing. Like, can you imagine like a cookbook on an iPad? And so we're like, instead of doing a regular cookbook, let's do like an iPad cookbook. Um, and so Henry just started kind of looking and we, he just started kind of cold calling developers, not knowing at all how expensive app development is, which is insane. Um, but we happened to, he happened to call some newer development agency that was trying to get into the food space. And they're like, Oh, you know, we'll help you and we'll give you a steep discount, which still ended up being a lot of money. (laughs) And so we created this um, cookbook app. And I think because we didn't know um, what we could ask for, they, we just kind of asked for the moon and they created a really cool app for us. But I think as soon as the first iOS update happened after our app came out, we're like, oh my gosh, this breaks our app. (sighs) And I think we realized like, that we're gonna have to throw a ton of money into this and we're gonna always have to upkeep it. And people don't want to pay more than 99 cents for it. Um, And, you know, but it's because 
most people create apps, like most big companies create apps as like marketing and they have like a huge marketing budget. Mm -hmm. But I think after that happened, we're like, you know, I don't. And I realized I was like, eventually there will be no iPad anymore. And this app is just going to disappear and go away. And I was like, I really want to create my own book, Um, you know, a physical book that, you know, no one can kind of take away from us if they update anything. Um, And one of our good friends, Melissa Jolwan, um, self-published her own um, paleo cookbook and she was advising us on how it was super smart to do and I know you've self-published mm-hmm. and it's just financially it's better and creatively you have so much more control um, and so we were intent on self-publishing and so we were probably 70 or 80 percent done and other um, publishers had reached out to us and said hey you want to do a cookbook deal but none of them ever sounded great because they're like you should do like a paleo junk food cookbook I'm like that is not what I'm about or they're like it should be a he said she said where Henry can talk about exercise and you can talk about you know cooking I'm like that's not what we do either and so we were just kind of forging ahead on this whole self-publishing thing and then our publisher the one that we ended up um, going with one of their editors reached out to us and kind of pitched us kind of a standard cookbook deal. And we were like, no, let's not do it. But then they came back and said, you know, our publisher is really interested in talking with you guys. Um, would you be willing to um, meet with her? Cause she's flying out to California on you know spring break to have coffee and just kind of discuss what you guys could do. Um, and Henry was like, no, totally. Our answer is going to be no, no matter what. Um, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I love cookbooks. And, you know, at the time back in, you know, when we were even thinking about this, you know, self-published cookbooks were not as well respected. And, you you know, it's hard to get distribution. Um, and so I was like, let's just talk to her and see. And so we met with her for coffee and she was totally open to talking to us about, you know, alternative, (laughs) alternative publishing models. Mm -hmm. Um, and she gave us an offer we couldn't refuse and gave us total creative control. Um, and so we went with them and we've been super happy. And now it's a New York times bestseller. Yeah, surprisingly, yes, it it yes, it was, and so it was it was great, and so they were they've been really good about, and so that one came out in two thousand thirteen, and they kind of gave us two years to kind of sit and stew, <laughs> and before they're like, when's your next cookbook coming out? And we're like, ah, I don't know, and for us because Henry has his day job, and we do, um, you know, shoot everything ourselves and the food styling and then even just the book design is all by us. Like it takes a long, long time to kind of create the book. And so we didn't agree to do it until I think two years later. And then it took us like a good two years to create it. Um, our second book. Um, but everyone's now like, now that this new book is out, they're like, when's the next one coming out? I'm like, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still recovering from the second one. (laughs) I, lo- I love that um, you're just telling us the behind the scenes about it. It's so, it's so funny. And uh, like the New York Times thing, like how did that, like when the book came out, I mean, you had a blog about how many people were coming to the blog and, and how were you able to, to, to do that? Or was that through your publisher that it kind of, you know, 
spread pretty wide and and, because New York Times is not easy. No, it's really, really hard. And I didn't even know like how it's more of an editorial um, list as opposed to a pure sales list um, until I think our second book. So the first one, we never expected to make New York Times and we didn't make it until I feel like months later because our book came out in December and I think it made New York Times um, I don't know, like in April or something. And we weren't even targeting it. I, I don't know how it happened, but it did. Um, but also, I think it also happened because Paleo was really hot back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew when this our second book came out in August, we're like, oh, it'd be really awesome to make New York Times, but I don't really know how to do it. And so we started researching all the different ways to do it. Um, and we knew it couldn't just be Amazon sales because... You know, there's all this weird stuff, right? And so we just tried to really get our rabid super fans really, really excited about it um, and to push pre-sales as hard as we could. Um, And then we did a book tour and we went to and we really tried to partner with some of our favorite independent bookstores. you know, to push sales. And so it was all of these really different things that we tried. Um, And so our book did make New York Times actually the first week it came out. But what's interesting is it was number three in our category, but it was, according to BookScan, the number one hardcover nonfiction book. So it is like, it's not a, it's not a pure sales thing. It really is. And then it only made it that first week. (laughs) It hasn't been on it since. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's a hard thing that is hard to, to aim for, um, but we just tried our best to do it. So we did a bunch of different things. Um, like we did try to drive pre-sales. Um, and so we did a, we did two pre-sale bonuses. Um, one was a separate ebook, which was, which we called one and done, which would be one pan, one pot, um, dishes that people could make um, really easily. And we made it in the same format as our cookbooks, just so people would see what our new cookbook would be like, where it was like step-by-step for everything and it would be kind of comic back, comic book format. And then we also gave them a 50-page preview of the cookbook. Um, and we dis- the way we distributed it is we created a brand new MailChimp um, mailing list just for people who, um, you know, said that they pre-ordered. And so, you know, and all we did was we're like, hey, put your order number for wherever you bought it from. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like people are like, how do you check? I'm like, there is no way to check. We just hope that people are being honest and, you know, that, you know, they, they're doing it. And But what's cool about that list, and then we would have MailChimp send out the two freebies. But once we had that list, we knew that that list was kind of like our super fan list because they were willing to buy it sight unseen. Um, And so we kind of did things to always thank that super group of um, readers. And so I think when our book came out, oh, and I think also too, we also did a camel, camel, camel tracking thing for our book before it came out just to see when it would dip low and then we'd blast it out to everybody because I think six months so our book had been I think you can pre-order a book on Amazon maybe eight months out or something but I think six months out 
Camel 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 showed that our book was like over 50% off on Amazon. And so I just blasted that out <laughs> to everybody. I don't, said, I don't, hey. what, what is Camel Camel Camel? I don't know what that is. Oh, you don't know. Camel 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 is a camel camel camel.com is a site where you can track prices on Amazon. Um, and so let's say you want to know when, say, like an Instant Pot drops below $100, it'll tell you. And so, and it'll give you an alert so you know to buy it. Because, you know, prices on Amazon fluctuate all the time. So we mm-hmm. put a camel, camel, camel on, I mean, I have it on all three books and on my favorite products. Um, and so I think there was, it, camel, camel, camel said that our ready or not cookbook was marked down like over 50%. And so I told everyone, hey, if you're thinking of pre-ordering our cookbook, now is a good time because it's over 50% off. Um, and so I'll, like a lot of people bought it and, you know, it shot up to like number four on all books, Amazon, but I mean, that's all velocity. So it's not necessarily, um, you know, total book sales. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after our book, I mean, we did, and then like two months out, we like sent, um, our book to like all of our favorite friends and influencers, um, and like media. And then I think like, The day that our book came out, like, you know, obviously we blasted it to our email list, but to our our pre-order list, we also gave them like a bonus gift. Like we gave them an extra week of meal plans as a thank you for being like so loyal and pre-ordering. And we also like told them that they had a special giveaway just for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and all they had to do was just share about the book. Not even like they have to buy the book. They can share about the book um, and just share this hashtag like nom nom paleo rocks. And we even created a site where they could share pictures really easily just so it would be really easy for them um, and to thank them. Um, but I think the whole thing is just whipping up your super fans to show how grateful you are, um, that gets them excited. Cause even if they have maybe like, you know, 50 friends on Facebook, like maybe this, they are the one person that they really trust for, you know, all things, you know, cooking and health. And so they're going to buy it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I think you are a really great you are a great example of that. Like you always treat your readers and your listeners really well. And, you know, they know that you're always giving them really great content. And so then they want to help you. And I think that's how Henry and I always want to operate. We want to operate kind of the whole NPR model where we put out like great free content, but every, you know, three years or so we will, we will have a book out and that is our pledge drive. And so we appreciate when people, um, you know, support us back. Um, but another thing about that, that, um, that pre-order list email is, you know, that those people are verified purchases. And so you can ask them for an honest review and you hope, I mean, obviously you can't ask for like a positive or a good review or anything and you can't gift them for their review, but, I think if you just ask them to do a review, like it reminds them to do it, which sometimes they don't even think to do it. And mm-hmm. they're happy to do it because they they want to help you. But then they're also a verified purchase on Amazon as opposed to just, you know, a non-verified purchase, which Amazon does not, you know, put, does not highlight at all. Mm-hmm. 
So I think all those things. I'm trying to think what else we did. But I think those were kind of the big things. And then when I went on the book tour, like, because we're money stupid as well, like, we just made all this swag to thank people. So people would come to the book signing and then we'd give them, you know, dolls and socks and calendars um, just because just to thank them. That's amazing. And you have 1,400 customer reviews on uh, your first book and you know, I can see it uh, close to 400 now on the second one, which is just incredible. Uh, what has happened since, you know, a lot of people wonder, like, is the New York Times list even worth shooting for? And I know you didn't game it other than just, you know, in- getting incredible uh, hype and-, and buzz for uh, the new book with your fans, which is the way to do it. But um, what has happened as a result of getting on New York Times? What new opportunities, if any, has opened up? Um, I think it's always really good social proof um, and obviously like an ego stroking thing, but I think it's good in that if people want to partner with you, um, there is always kind of that kind of elusive, you know, thing where the New York Times has kind of anointed you, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, I think like the Whole Foods partnership that we had, like we were working with a local region, the Northern California region for several years. And we've loved working with them because they've totally understood our brand and they've let us do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've respected each other. Like, obviously we don't want to push paleo, um, where it's not wanted. Right. And we don't want to alienate their, you know, vegan customers or other customers who aren't paleo. Um, but, I think with NorCal, they've been really good about letting us do our thing, and we've respected that they will um, treat our brand properly. Mm -hmm. And so we've worked with them for several years, but I think because of the success of um, our second cookbook, um, National reached out, um, you know, probably two months after our book came out and said, hey, we've seen what you've done with NorCal because we did a push with NorCal right when our book came out. And they're like, we'd like to try this in January um, nationwide, um, you know, where they would have some of our um, recipes from our second cookbook at the hot bar. And then like, you know, my nominal paleo picks throughout the store. And so, you know, maybe the New York Times kind of helped with that, but I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, because I don't have, you know, we don't have our own PR. We are our, our own PR. I don't have an agent. Um, we don't have, like, people working. We have one guy working for us um, where he kind of helps with um, Facebook scheduling. Um, and then when I do my Facebook Lives, he helps answer questions and kind of odd jobs that we have behind the scenes. But otherwise, it is just Henry and I. And the kids. Um. <laughs> How do you guys navigate this not having any experience as these new opportunities come up and not having really a huge team behind you? How do you, how do you navigate through? Um, well, again, it's we're lucky in that Henry has his job, you know, and so we don't have to kind of do any money grabs. Like we, if something we find really cool, we will say, no, this sounds like a hell yes opportunity. Community. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in terms of negotiating, like I never know, like, and I hate talking money because I don't know how to do it. Um, and you know, I wasn't raised to kind of ask for things like, you know, I think being raised by like Chinese immigrants, like, you know, like it's hard, it's hard, mm-hmm. like saying I want this 
and negotiating instead of just accepting what's offered the first time. Um, But I think we've just kind of like, I've asked my friends who are kind of in this space, like, what do you ask for if someone asks you to do a talk? You know, we've kind of talked, you know, numbers. um, And sometimes, you know, we'll just, okay, the next time I'm going to ask for, you know, more money the next time I do it and just kind of seeing where that is. But also, I think realizing that, like, I think with the Whole Foods thing, people are like, you must be paid a ton of money for this. And I'm like, no, we were not paid probably as much as you think, but we recognize what we're getting from it as well, like from a marketing perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Like, I couldn't pay to have our branding in every single store of Whole Foods. Do you know what I mean? Right. And because that's offered, like, you know, of course we'll negotiate. And because we're always picking opportunities that we already naturally love, um, we will just throw ourselves into um, promoting it. And and so it is a win-win for both sides. Like, um, like I think, like, people are always like, hey, how do we partner with you or how do we get you to promote this? And I'm like, if it's something I've never tried, I'm not going to promote it um, because – I, I don't love it and and I won't promote it as hard as if I loved it. Um, I think people always think like Instant Pot and I have some sort of crazy deal going and we don't. Like I, I, I get an Amazon affiliate if someone buys it through my site, but that's it. Um, and I've asked them, I'm like, hey, you want to sponsor this giveaway? But, you know, they, they just ship it to someone. And that way I don't have to, you know, go to the post office. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I love it and it's a great fit, then I'll partner with people. But I think I've barely, I think I can count on my one hand how many people I've partnered with. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I love the Instant Pot stuff. For sure, that uh, has been a big game changer for me and my family. And thank you for uh, the recipes, especially the pork Kahlua, the Kahlua pork recipe. Oh, that's like a, a month. You know, thing. if you love pork, the Carnitas Instant Pot recipe is super easy and really good. And I just put up a spine, spicy pineapple pork recipe, also Instant Pot and super easy. That <laughs> that's on the blog right now? Yeah, that is on the blog right now. And cool. that was one of the recipes that was at the Whole Foods um, hot bar. Oh, nice. And people are like, yeah, people are like, where's the rest? I'm like, okay, I will put it up <laughs> so you guys can make it at home. I'll have to check it out. Now, would you, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people are talking about blogging nowadays and how it's kind of, you know, not as powerful as it was. There's video now and, you know, these live video platforms and uh, obviously podcasting too. How do you balance like all these different mediums now that are available to spread your message and, and what you do? Um, versus what you originally started, which was your blog. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to do the thing. Like, for me, because our resources are so limited um, in terms of, like, manpower and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. I only kind of do the things I love. Um, and I love Instagram. And I love Instagram stories. And I really loved Snapchat for a while. And Periscope I loved. But then... Instagram kind of swallowed all of those things up <laughs> and Facebook live kind of swallowed up a lot of those things. Um, and YouTube is really hard for me to do just cause you know, we don't have the manpower or the know how to do like great video. Um, and so Instagram 
is my number one. I love Twitter as well, but not that many people are on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the Instagram. You can put stuff and still push people to your blog um, by, you know, having set, like, you know, your LinkedIn profile. Um, but I love the Instagram stories because it also lets people kind of get to know you behind the scenes. And I think before when I started my blog, it really was kind of like a daily journal of everything I was eating. But that's now morphed into what I show on Instagram. Um, And now the content on my blog is basically evergreen recipes. Um, And then Facebook is just kind of the the social media that you have to deal with because that's the one that everybody is on. Um, and everybody wants to be on it. And so that one, I kind of schedule, you know, I have um, Lauren, our assistant, kind of schedule stuff on it. And then I do a weekly Facebook Live, which used to get tons and tons of engagement, I think, when they were first trying to push it. Mm-hmm. But now it still gets a lot of engagement, um, way more than just kind of, you know, posting. But I always post stuff that I think people would find useful. So it's not just my stuff and promoting, you know, my recipes. But I do, you know, have them, like I have Lauren maybe put up one recipe post of mine from my blog a day. But everything else, I'm like, just make sure it's something super useful and something that you would want to look at. As opposed to just, you know, sponsored stuff or, or pitching stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think for all of the things that I try to put out, like I always think of myself as the consumer. Um, and I'm like, would I be annoyed by seeing like 20 Instagram stories of my face? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I only want to kind of like show hopefully useful things or at least things that I find useful. Um, and I, I try to do that. And I'm like, in terms of like marketing, would I be annoyed if someone kept on pitching, you know, like my book or like how, how would I want to be kind of marketed to? And that's how I try to try to approach things. I love it. You know, I'm so, I'm so fascinated because, um, I thought that you had this giant team behind all you were doing and and the design. (laughs) I mean, that's Henry, uh, yeah. Now that I've learned, and it's, it's just fantastic. I mean, everything is just so pro looking. Did it start out like that? No, 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 no. In fact, it was awful. Like, and I don't even want people to go back in our archives. But if you look in our archives, it's so ugly, and the pictures are just poorly lit iPhone pictures, um, and it's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think as um, more people started. Um, you know, we started getting more eyeballs. Henry was like, you really need to fix your photos and you need to fix this. And you need to know like, you know, the, the whole rule of threes and blah. I'm like, dude, I don't know what, I don't understand any of that. Like, if you want to help me, you need to help me. And he, he's been blogging for a long time. Like he was, he had a daddy blog when our, um, when Owen was born. And so that was like, you know, 14 years ago. And then he had a fitness blog called Fit Bomb, which chronicled his kind of P90X journey. Um, and so he's been doing this for a while, and he's always been super artistic, like ever since he was a kid. But he, you know, did kind of the smart, like 
logical thing like that makes a stable income um and he went to law school but like a cow like because i know you're a cow graduate go bears. like go bears he um used to have a comic strip in the daily cow um and one of the little characters was this mean little girl named may may who was like like who was me because that was back when i would eat gluten and i was not <laughs> a very nice person <laughs> Um, and so he's been drawing me for like 25 years. Um, and so like this whole thing with Nom Nom Pale, I mean, it, I almost like when people ask, like, what do you think kind of led to the success of it? I think part of it has to do with creating it in like our mid thirties when we weren't expecting anything from it. Mm-hmm. And we already had like stable jobs so that we weren't depending on it to um, bring in income. And so we were able to kind of create whatever we wanted um, without, you know, worrying about where our next paycheck would come from. Um, And so when Henry came on board, like in 2012, when he really like he dumped FitBomb and he started helping out, um, you know, when he wasn't at work, like that's when I think our blog, you know, took off. Um, But yeah, the the old stuff is ugly. It's (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Well, I'll make sure to go back in the archives and check it out. Yeah, you should. You're like, ah. But I mean, you've won all these awards and things just seem to be going so well for you. I want to finish up by asking you, what was the hardest part since, you know, really going full on with Nom Nom Paleo? What's been the toughest thing for you here? I think the toughest thing is balancing everything with like family and friends. Um, Because obviously food, food is important and exercise is important, but, you know, sleep and community, all of those things help you know, with a healthy lifestyle, like you can eat super perfect and everything else is terrible and you're not going to be healthy. And so I think it's been balancing, you know, taking care of ourselves and making sure like we have healthy relationships, um, with work. Cause like we could be working late into the night all the time. And I think we did initially, um, but now I'm always like, okay, we have to be in bed by like 1030. Mm-hmm. We need to turn off all the screens. We need to go see our friends. Like it's very like, and you know, we have to start meditating. Like <laughs> it's right, all right. these things where like we have to find a good balance. But I have to say, I've never been more happy and grateful for how things have been going. Like I am super grateful that I am not working at the hospital in the middle of the night, especially in the middle of one of probably the worst flu seasons ever. Oh gosh. Um, Yeah. You know, and I, even though I, I, I would never change anything because I do think because I work nights, like, and I had the time to kind of do nom nom paleo. Um, it also gives me a really good counterpoint. So anytime I'm like, ugh, I have to do this, this, or this. I'm like, you know what? You know, developing a recipe and testing it is not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it could be way worse. Any final words of encouragement for those listening who are now inspired to either just start or, you know, with their existing business, just, um, you know, they're fired up about it. How, how would you um, encourage them to, to really just keep going and, and find their way to success? 
I mean, I think that if you are super passionate about it, you should just keep doing it. And I mean, I think it's like, it's so cliche to say, you know, keep creating great content. But I mean, you do, you just keep, you keep creating great content, be open and flexible to all of the new social media that is available. Um, Like I didn't, I wasn't even on Facebook until I created Nom Nom Paleo. And I only have a quote unquote personal account to manage my Facebook page. But I think since then, I've totally embraced like Instagram and Twitter and whatever comes out just because it's a fun, free tool. Um, and like when people get mad about like Instagram throttling their reach or, you know, or whatever throttling their reach, I'm like, don't complain about it. It's free. And they're, they're throttling your reach because it's boring. Like you have to figure out ways to make it interesting and fun. Um, and it should push you out of your comfort zone. For sure. I mean, that's always my advice is just to try to make it fun because when it's fun for you to make and create, which obviously comes from the passion that you have for it or, or just the joy of the journey, um, <laughs> then it's fun for everybody else on the other side. No, and I totally get that from you. Like, I know that it's super fun for you to create. Like, I love watching your videos i'm like look how fun this is and i know that he had a really fun time creating it um and i love all the content you put out there because you exemplify awesome great free content that benefits so many people well thank you i I appreciate you um talking about how i've helped you and uh just just give me a shout out but you know i'm so thankful for you and all, all you've done and all you continue to do i'm so just uh proud of all the success you've had and it's inspiring me especially when it comes to the the reach that you have as a result of your book writing and such but um I'm Michelle, you, i was so excited when you finally got that tesla i'm like oh, he got that tesla he wanted <laughs> <laughs> i know that was a huge goal for me so it was really cool to yeah to see that come in but um hey where can people go and find more from uh, you and henry and, and your family so we i i am at nom nom paleo at all on all things, except for Snapchat, which I'm not even on anymore. Nom Nom um, Paleo, got it. Yeah, Nom Nom Paleo. And again, there is no big team behind us. So if you ping me, I see everything. But it does take me a little bit longer to get back to people. Unless you tweet me on Twitter, I'm very fast because, you know, it's very fast to reply to those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I'm sure everybody's going to go and say hi and say thank you. So if you wanted to say, thank Michelle and you're on Twitter or Instagram, Nom Nom Paleo is where you can find her. Uh, big thanks to Henry and, and your kids. And thank you for taking the time today, Michelle. I appreciate you. No, thank you. It's been my pleasure. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Michelle Tam. Make sure you check her out at nomnompaleo.com. Also, we got some uh, links and resources at the show notes page at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 313, as you know. And Michelle, uh, I know you listen to the podcast. You're amazing. Your family's awesome. Wonderful job on the brand. I cannot wait to see where else you go with it. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person one day and hanging out and having some good food and having the families chill with each other. Uh, It's going to happen. We will make it happen. Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening and I appreciate you. And one more time, that link to the show notes is smartpassiveincome.com slash session 313. And as a reminder, because I know a lot of you are like, yeah, I want to start a podcast too. And get started for free, three-day course. Walk you through the process on how to get from scratch to setup and up on iTunes, how to start a podcast.com. And hey guys, before you go, I have a really cool announcement to make. As an advisor to this company, I'm just super proud 
to share this. Uh, I'm an affiliate for the company as well, but also an advisor. Um, Nathan Barry the other day, who is the founder of ConvertKit, shared a tweet sharing that his company and his team now just passed the 1 million MRR mark. If you don't know what MRR means, that means monthly recurring revenue. $1 million in monthly recurring revenue this company is now making. And Nathan was on the podcast a number of times before. Uh, one of those times was even before ConvertKit was a thing. And he was a blogger and somebody who was selling ebooks on his website. And he built the software to just fill a pain that he had uh, and, and solve that problem. And he's solved it for now, you know, tens of thousands of people. And the company's doing amazing, and I'm just super thankful to be associated with them. And I think that's just, I wanted to share that for two reasons. One, because that that's super encouraging. I mean, to, I mean th- that company was bootstrapped, and he didn't take any investing or anything. He, he literally built it from the ground up, and I was there the whole time, and I'm just super proud of him and the company and the team. And secondly, I was able to get a special deal for all of you who want to get involved with ConvertKit, and you can do it with a 45-day free trial, which is not available anywhere else. This is like a special thing just for you guys because I'm an advisor and you're listening to this episode right now. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash convertkit45, just full disclosure, that is an affiliate link. I'm also an advisor for the company, so I do get paid a small commission if you go through that link. But one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash convertkit45. That'll take you to a landing page where you can sign up and get a 45-day free trial. So you can just try it out. You can see how easy it is to use. It has all the advanced features that I love, like tagging and segmentation and visualizations of your email workflow without the high prices of tools like, I'm not even gonna name them, but they're thousands of dollars to use. And it's not even close to that, guys. This has been the best tool that I've ever used. And I would recommend you try it too. If you're building an email list or you wanna switch over from another email service provider and you wanna try it out for 45 days for free, smartpassiveincome.com slash convertkit45. That's where you go. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in next week's episode of the SPI Podcast. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.